Alex Philadelphia. It takes a lot to make him happy, and he is clearly pleased. She's up, she's moving nicely. She's got a hit. Yes! Sally Stable, 132.67, has won at least the medal. She's 0.24 up. Beauty! On the ice for the Gimlet. The Gimlet Welcome back to Off the Podium, an Olympics podcast, as we continue our ongoing series in chatting to past, present and future Olympians in the lead up to the Pyeongchang 2018 Winter Olympics and very excited to be able to bring you today's guest, 2014 silver medalist in the men's aerials, David Morris. Now, if you listen to a lot of our uh, episodes where we went back in time, our vault episodes from interviews that I had previously done on a former radio show of mine, you would have heard one of those chats was with David Morris back from 2014, only a couple of months after he did win that silver medal. But he uh, was polite enough to join me again to have a bit more of an in-depth chat about uh, Sochi, about uh, the future, and kind of leading into the 2018 Pyeongchang Games. And if you did hear that interview, you definitely would have heard how entertaining and great David is to chat to, and it's definitely the case once again here. And a very fun interview, very very funny guy and definitely a great chat, one that I know you are going to enjoy. So without further ado, here is my chat with 2014 Olympic silver medalist David Morris. Continuing on our athlete interviews and sort of tying it in with previews of different sports as we get closer and closer to the 2018 Winter Olympics in Pyeongchang in Korea. And very excited for our next guest here. The sport of aerials is a fantastic sport. It is a very entertaining sport and a sport that Australia has been very successful in over the years. And one of the most memorable moments from the 2014 Sochi Olympics from an Australian perspective was when this guy. I walked away with a silver medal and uh, just one of my favourite moments still, the reactions and everything else that came from it. I don't think I've ever seen somebody happy to win a silver medal, but uh, it was still definitely a fun time. I do, of course, speak of David Morris and he's on the line now. David, welcome to Off the Podium. Thank you for having me. I'm glad I can be a memorable moment for some people, even if it's just one. That's okay. That's one <laughs> Plenty more to come, though, David, as we're going to discuss, I feel, uh, <laughs> throughout this uh, interview. And, uh, yeah, I, obviously, you know, you and I have ch- spoken before a couple of years ago uh, on one of my other shows, The Brink, and kind of just sort of speaking to you about that, it was interesting when I spoke to you then, that was, I think, only several months after the, the medal win there in Sochi. Yeah, so, it would have been fresh. Yeah, very, very fresh. It's kind of opposite now, isn't it? We're less than a year away from the next one. You got to kind of put that in the back of your mind and, and lead up now to the next one. I mean, how, how are you feeling right now, I guess, kind of less than a year out and uh, going into your third Olympic Games? Um, I would, I, I'm nervous, actually. I was feeling pretty confident because it's sort of, it's one of those things that it's in the future and it's coming and then suddenly it's, you know, two years out and then it feels like a week goes by and it's one year out and then it's 10 months out. It's all happening very fast. And I woke up the other day after, I think, having a dream about you know, the Olympics, and I just woke up, I was just really nervous again. I was like, yeah, I have the butterflies in the stomach feeling, I have the expectations and the, the dread of, you know, what would happen if it goes wrong, all these, all the normal feelings. So um, I'm nervous, I'm excited, I'm confident and not confident at the same time. It's a whole whirlwind of very strange feelings. It's like you're a teenager again going through puberty, it sounds, uh, David. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah, that's sort of what sport is like sometimes. You get a bit moody, it's good days, bad days. Some days you want to cry in your room, not talk to anyone, and other days you're like, look at me. Yep, yep, the, the life of an Olympic silver medalist, it's a, it's a very difficult one. But, I mean, sort of how how is the preparation, I guess, from this point on? I mean, you're obviously just, I think, back in Australia still, you're just here for the, uh, the ski awards, I believe, in the last week, and kind of moving forward 
forward now sort of into the Australian winter at least? Is it is it time off? I mean, is there such thing as time off for you between now and February? I mean, what sort of <laughs> what's happening right now before the Games? Uh, what a lot of people find uh, hard to understand sometimes is we don't really have time off. Like, we'll have a week at home or two weeks at home to sort of relax, but the relaxing time is simply recovery time. Like, you're resetting your system, you're letting your brain relax, and you're letting your body recover to start up again. So even when we've been, you know, lazy in, in quotation fingers, <laughs> um, it's actually time used on purpose that you can get straight back into training without being tired day one. So at the moment, I've been in the gym uh, working on, you know, heavy weights and stuff for the last month, uh, trying to get, you know, my squats higher up, my agility, my cardio, all that stuff up. And then we're going to head over to the U.S. for their entire summer. We're going to be over in Utah for four months, uh, jumping off water ramps into a pool over there, one of the best facilities, and... I'm working on the big, you know, the starting, I'm not going to talk properly today, we'll be working on our basic skills, working up to the harder ones, come back home for about a month, a bit more of a fitnessy camp thing, and then take all the skills to snow and try and peak at the Olympics, uh, you know, two months later. So it's it's just a building process, and we start at the start again, and the fitter you are at the start, the longer you last, because once we sort of start training properly, there's no real time to make massive gains and things in the gym, so you have to get it all now, which is what we're doing, and then try and hold it for the rest of the year, basically. And when it comes to gym training for, for aerials, I mean, what, what is the the focus then? Is there a particular part of the body that perhaps people who sort of don't really think too much about that side of things when it comes to training for something like aerials that you really do have to, to focus on? We focus on a bit of everything, and you're not wrong because people have looked at me in the gym and I've had a few comments like someone's come up to me like you know what do you do because you can't pick us because we don't do anything specifically related to our sport other than maybe like landing drills and I said oh I do aerials and you know we have to get pretty strong and they're like yeah you don't look like much do you I'm like, no you're right we don't we're just we're small and compact and we're strong for our size body weight ratio is quite high but um yes definitely a lot of legs we do a lot of squats deadlifts leg press a lot of core for maintaining, you know, a body line while it's slipping through the air and twisting. And when you land, obviously, you need a um, solid core. And it all has to be connected to your, your quads and your glutes. And we do upper body um, to have, you know, a strong shape when we're spinning and flipping. Uh, upper body is probably less important uh, for doing the actual sport, but very important for when you do badly and you crash. <laughs> I've seen a lot of... Uh, seen a lot of boys on the triple cough up blood at the bottom of the hill from landing on their back because wow. they're scrawny little guys and they just don't have enough padding around their ribs so they bleed into their lungs and they're coughing up all this blood at the bottom so luckily I haven't done that because you do lots of bench press and um, uh, lat exercises to just make it you know your torso really strong so when you take a hit it'll hurt but it doesn't do enough damage so you can go back up and hopefully do another one because it hasn't hurt you too bad so a lot of the strength is for when things go wrong and then the rest of it is so that you can do it properly. It's it's just it's kind of interesting, sort of just looking at it that way. And I can imagine, sort of, as you were saying about people at the gym who are maybe coming up to you, like, "What do you do?" I mean, uh, what, what do you? Does, what's their reaction? Like, Ariel's like, "Oh, okay, go you, mate." Or like, I mean, what do they say to that? Oh, <laughs> it's like, "Oh, Ariel's, what's that? Is that the the long jumping one?" Like, no, it's the it's the the flipping one. They're like, "Oh, you jump out of helicopters?" I'm like, no, it's the <laughs> we do uh, we do flips, ah. Uh. Um, no, it's funny. It's it's not a well-known sport. We're trying to obviously work on that with you know Olympic medals and World Champ medals, World Cup medals, and our team's very good at it. But uh, it's just not a widely known sport still, which is a bit of a shame. And I try not to boast about it because someone comes up and says, "Hey, you know, what are you doing?" Like Ariel's like, "Are you any good?" I'm like, "Well, actually, yes, I am." Pull out but the I medal. Don't like to sort of be like, "Hey, I'm, yeah, oh, there's a medal in my pocket. What? what a coincidence! I carry that with me all the time." No, I don't talk myself up that much. Not, not all the time. But, um, no, people's reactions like, oh, that's pretty cool, and I don't go on about it. But, um, yeah, we're not we're not obvious athletes. We're all different shapes and sizes. There's not a particular build that makes you the best aerialist, but um, you know, a little bit shorter, lean, and very strong sort of is what it is. But there's a lot of people that look like that. The interesting stat I found about recently when it comes to Australia at the aerials is that um, I think aerials is the only sport 
in which Australia can say we lead the overall medal tally in the history of the Olympics. Yeah. And it's kind of... Yeah, we have five of the 12 medals. Which is crazy, because if you bring that up at, like, a trivia night and say, like, okay, Australia leads a sport in the Olympics, both winter and summer, what sport do you think it is? People are going to say swimming or, you know, athletics. You know, it's think- sure it'll be swimming or... Yeah, 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 but it's kind of... It's fascinating, and that kind of... It, it baffles me that it's sort of, at least even out of the, uh, the winter sports, you know, obviously we know winter athletes and sports in Australia aren't incredibly known, but I would assume that, you know, aerials is that one that people know because that's the one we win the medals in. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a shame that it's not more popular. And it's been um, three of us have won the five medals. Elisa got two, Lydia got two, I've got one, so I probably have to catch get up. one at the next game just to yeah. keep up with them because it's <laughs> unacceptable to not be at the same standard as those two. Um, but, yeah, we've done very, very well in the last three games. We've won five medals. It's crazy. No, more so in the four, four games, something, yeah. It's, it is crazy, and hopefully the trend continues. We have a, an amazing team uh, this year and the next coming year that are all capable of getting on the podium, and we did this year at World Cups. Everyone got a medal, and that's, that's a very big deal. And even at um, the World Championships, which I get we can talk about in a minute, but uh, we all made the finals. In the first round, there's like two-round qualifications where you can do one round, or if you don't make it to that round, you do the second round. And our whole team got through the first round, and we just left the competition early and watched the rest of it on TV at home because <laughs> we have a very strong team. So I'm confident in thinking that, yep, we can add another medal or two to the tally. And this is the thing, too, I think, really leading into Pyeongchang and... It's not obviously outside of, of freestyle skiing. I mean, we've had so much success, I feel, in the last sort of, you know, couple of years in, in all winter sports leading up to this. And it's sort of, it's interesting, the thing that's kind of in comparison to our co-host Colin in Canada, where we sort of have to explain to him, it's like Australians don't really hear about this until like a month before the Olympics when Channel 7 will pump this out, look how good our athletes have been over the last couple of years. And all of a sudden, like, oh, wow, Brittany Cox, she sounds pretty cool. You know, Chumpy Pullen, I remember him from four years ago, David oh, Morris. Oh, yeah. It's kind of, number one in the world. Exactly. Well, yeah. we, we actually had her on the show recently. Exactly so it's kind of, it's interesting that we mm. sort of have this. But I mean, is I guess kind of on that perspective, does that work for positive or negatives as an Australian coming into these? Because you, you're up against athletes from countries where this is their life. You know, we're talking about Canadians, you know, all the European countries. This is to them is as big as I guess AFL and rugby is to us. I mean, it kind of must yeah. work as almost a psychological edge for you guys because it's like no one expects the Aussies to do well, but hey, look, Look at this Olympic That's silver right. medal. Yes, being the uh, being the underdog is an advantage. Uh, it depends who you are. I prefer it. I like to come in to any competition with low expectations from everyone, but knowing personally that I'm capable of winning. So that if you do badly, I guess sounds terrible. You know, you have an excuse like, "Oh, but no one expected me to do badly." So you don't feel bad about it. You can just learn from the experience and move on without people sort of giving you a hard time. So the fact that we're not talked up until the last minute is kind of good, but at the same time, it'd be nice to be known earlier so that, you know, we can work on getting sponsors and getting some more media attention and making the Winter Olympics a bigger thing than it is because obviously I'm biased because I'm not a summer Olympian, but I think the winter athletes are absolutely incredible. Our whole team, there's so many dangerous and crazy sports that I know people love watching, even though it's not as popular as summer sports, but who doesn't like watching something that at any moment someone might explode out of their skis and flip over the fence or someone's going to take them out from the site? Like, anything can happen in winter sports, and that's what makes it so cool to watch. But it's just, yeah, you're right, it's talked up at the last minute, and people don't see the work that we've put in. And so when someone doesn't perform well, they're like, oh, that person really sucks. You're like, But they've worked so hard to get there. And maybe they had a bad day, which does happen. Because anything can happen on the day. And winter sports are very cutthroat. You make the smallest little mistake, and that is the end of your competition. And this is the thing you that I... You fall out of your skis. Skis come off in the... Yeah. And this is the thing, I guess, I, I really like to try and talk up, is the fact that... Um, I I get more excited for the Winter Olympics than I do for the Summer Olympics. I love the Summer Olympics. I'm not talking them down, but I mean, oh, absolutely, I, I think they're great. But clearly, we're better. Absolutely, of course. You know, uh, it's just it's just it's it's kind of just that fascination thing, though, as you were saying, like just the different sports, and it's kind of. You know, like the Summer Olympics, yeah, you're going to be really sort of paying attention to the ones Australia's good at. And you look at things like, you know, badminton and things like that, whatever. Whereas like the Winter Olympics, it's like 
everything I'm fascinated by, even curling, David, I want to watch more curling because it's curling. Well, who wouldn't want very to? very attractive people in curling. That's why I watch exactly. it. Exactly. The great pants and all those sort of things that the Norwegians wear and everything. <laughs> but it's, it's just... Oh, their fashion is amazing. Oh, it's incredible. But I just, I really... And the thing is, I remember growing up, and I'm sure you're the same, and we're very similar ages. So, it kind of, I guess you grew up kind of with the, the coverage of how Winter Olympics were in Australia. And it's sort of, you think about sort of the 90s, like Lillehammer and Nagano, kind of, it wasn't as in your face as in when you get to Salt Lake, Turin, you know, Vancouver, where it's kind of almost as extensive as we get for the summer games, which is fantastic. And it's kind of, it's only getting better. So uh, this is kind of the thing which I like that the the Winter Olympics get bigger and bigger, but I would really would love to see these winter sports become more of a thing for Australia's knowledge, because really it's kind of, you know, you, you walk down the street and you would say like, hey, name me three of our Olympic medalists from the Winter Olympics. They're going to say, you know, Bradbury, you know, Lydia, Tora Bright. Not to take away from their achievements, but it's kind of, it's a case of it's still not there. And I, I just hope this changes. Mm. That It would be nice. And, you know, the, Australia in the Winter Olympics is still sort of a, a fresh thing. We haven't been there as long as in the Summer Games. Uh, we don't get as many medals, so it's not as, you know, not like you yeah open the newspaper every day it's like oh we've got you know 15 more medals because we just don't get those kind of numbers because our, our whole team is tiny like we'll send as many swimmers to the summer olympics as our entire winter olympic team so we don't get crazy amounts of medals but with a ratio of how many athletes we send we do very very well and given we're a country that most of our athletes can't actually train here because the conditions aren't right or the sports aren't available here we do extremely well and People should be proud of that. And it's just a lack of knowledge and it's no one's fault. It's just people just don't hear about it enough. But if they were to pay attention to what just happened uh, this last Northern Hemisphere winter season, it would blow your mind because the whole Australian team smashed it this year. We're not just turning up to competitions to take up extra numbers. We're not just participating at the events. We are taking names and being pretty loud and getting ourselves known out there. We have, you know, like we just mentioned before, Britt Cox is... Uh, world number one in moguls. She held, held the, finished the Crystal Globe. She had the gold bib the whole way through the competition. She's the most successful freestyle female athlete in the world this year. Um, the moguls team smashed it. Ariel's team smashed it. Snowboard, cross, smashing it. Like, there's just so many good people that you don't hear enough about. I'm not entirely sure why, but if people to just look back on, hey, let's just check out the winter results, watch some videos. Spectacular. Exactly. Completely agree. And, and the one thing I'll say, sort of great success that we're having there. The one that we really need to work on, though, David, is uh, Nordic Combined. That's a sport that I really want to push for Australia's uh, attention. Uh, I worked last year with Modern Ventathlon with Chloe Esposito. Nordic Combined. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I thought about that. So I was like, oh, you should try Nordic Combined. I was like, oh, I could just skip jumping part. <laughs> yes. But then there's that other bit which requires cardio. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't do that nonsense. You don't do that at the gym. You're not. That's not part of your regime when no, people question I you mean, about it. <laughs> I have. I they have some of the fittest athletes, the the cross country skiers. But at no point could I find myself enjoying any moment of being out in the freezing cold, short of breath, not running out of your nose down your face, and just going for it. I'm like, no. At no point could I force myself to do that. Yep. And they're amazing, but no thanks. No, no. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll get some people involved, you know, kind of like how, you know, you guys come from gymnastics. We'll just get those marathon runners, strap some skis on them, push them down a hill. Uh, That's right. You know. Yeah. Try to see how long you last go. Yeah, yeah. I've seen cool runnings. It works for, you know, bobsledders and, and sprinters. Yeah. Uh, so. Oh, yeah. I mean, all, all the sports are mental and people look at our aerials and like, oh, this is, this is the craziest sport. And I'm happy to play that card because I like to talk aerials up but ours is not as insane as it seems it's very calculated we do skills we've practiced a lot of times and i'll look at a sport like moguls which doesn't seem as mental to some people because like oh i can ski i can sort of do moguls i'm like yeah but they do moguls at extremely fast speeds then do a flip or two then do some more moguls then do another flip and then do some more moguls and we just do one one skill and ski down this lovely hill with nothing in our way and then you have like ski and snowboard cross where they're racing as fast as they can and people can take them out halfway through the race. That's terrifying. 
that's way more crazy than my sport and lose skeleton like any of these sports they're all they're all mental so you know each to their own i like to say yep aerials is the coolest and the scariest but ah that's just because i'm biased towards aerials some of the other athletes they're mental we all know it's curling david we all know that's the scariest and most mental of the winter sports come on (laughs) i mean you could pull a hammy any one of those rounds and that's that's the end of the competition for you i always keep saying i keep saying that like you know my long-standing dream to be an olympian the only sport i feel i will ever have a shot in is curling and i know there's really not that many curlers in australia there's a high percentage i could train myself up to pushing stones down ice you know maybe if they make darts an air, a, you know, an Olympic Possibly. sport. Possibly. Podcasting. You might have a pretty good show. <laughs> God, yeah. You know, don't know you about know, I'm that. I'm no good at it, so I wouldn't even compete in it, yeah. Hey, you know, we could, we could train you up. I reckon it'd be easier to train you up as a podcast host than me as an aerial skier, but, um, you know, who knows? Anything is possible if you apply yourself. Exactly. I like that attitude. I like that. You mentioned the World Championships, and obviously, you know, the great season that sort of, you know, every Australian's had sort of in their sports. But uh, yourself, congratulations. Yeah. Bronze at the World Championships. Thank you. And and, uh, I mean, how how was sort of the mental state going into and coming out of that? Was this an expected result? Were you disappointed you didn't get the gold or at least your favourite silver? I mean, kind of, oh, no. how, how did you come out of the, the world champs there in Spain? I'm at no point disappointed when I walk away with a medal. I don't care. Gold, silver, bronze, it's a victory because you're on the podium. Um, my mental state coming into that competition was pretty terrible. I had had a very unsuccessful season. I was not jumping to the standard that I expect for myself. Just uh, there was a lack of communication between uh, me and my coaches about what they expected me to do and what I was sort of trying to do. And I felt that every time I wanted to do this, I would disappoint them and then everything fell apart. And it was just me not uh, talking to them about what I wanted. And then I just was crashing and doing bad takeoffs and coming instead of sort of being in the top 10, top six where I expect myself to be, I was in like 27, 30th place. And I was like, what, what is going on? So we had a talk and I thought, look guys, this is, this is what I want to do. And I'm sort of, I don't want to work on the stuff that you've been telling me. And, and at the end of the conversation, we realized that we're actually all working on the same thing. And my brain was just doing a crazy athlete thing. And I walked out of there way happy. And I thought, yeah, I'm just going to, I'm going to go and do my normal thing. Came into world championships having not really landed in any competition. And then suddenly, because it's an important competition, world champs, my brain switched on and I started landing stuff. So I think it's, uh, I just perform at big events now, I think. I just turn up. I'm like, yeah, I'll try and land today. And there's all these other people like Britt Cox, totally wasting their energy, trying hard all year, being super (laughs) consistent, world number one all year. And following it up at the World Champs, like, why would you waste all that energy when you could just turn up on the day and do it? No, I don't recommend that. That just seems to be how I work. But um, <laughs> no, I turned up. I was super nervous, but I had nothing to lose at that point. I had unfortunately made myself the underdog by not doing very well and then just started putting down nice jumps and landing it and got all the way through to the um, top six, which is our, our third round of finals. And we're not allowed to repeat a skill once we're in the final, so I had either a skill that I hadn't practiced for the whole year or an easier one and I was like well look um, I'm in the super final I'm here to go for the win I'm just going to throw down the skill that I haven't practiced yet and I was I was absolutely terrified I was shaking up the top I was quite unconfident about what was going to happen and my coach up the top went look just go off the jump and start spinning like you normally do and just wait for the ground to come at you and set myself off the jump halfway through the skill I watched the video halfway through the skill I see my head go oh, there's the ground and figure out what was going on and then put it on my feet and we walked away with a, a third. So that to me was absolutely a victory. Sure, a goal would have been amazing. World champion is a sweet title to have. But um, I didn't expect to do that well that day. I think I was more surprised than anyone else that I landed my skills. So we walked away and it's a, yeah, it was a great finish to the season. And um, a world champs medal is definitely one of the big sort of four things that I wanted to achieve in the sport, like just a medal at world champs. I wanted, you know, a world cup win, Olympic medal and the gold bib at one point. And I've, I have all four of those. And I think for me, that's very satisfying to have performed well in all the sort of areas that you can do well in just to sort of cap it all off. And how, I guess, we had Lydia Lasser on a couple of months ago and we sort of talked to her obviously about, 
I guess, the development of the sport sort of since her time away from it now that she's come back into it. And she sort of commented very interestingly about sort of how she felt it hadn't really progressed a whole lot compared to when she was competing I agree, against. unfortunately, uh, yeah. So is that, is that the same in, in the men's side of things as well? Uh, the men's, yeah, this is, yeah, it's a tricky thing to talk about because obviously I'm a boy, so I'll have a certain perspective on things that um, females won't have. <laughs> I'll say very carefully, I think the boys has been capped off at very hard skills for a long time. We can add another twist, like people, uh, Anton, who won the um, Sochi Games and beat me, did five twists and only did four. So more people are doing five, but a quad-twisting triple flip is very high standard jump, and a lot of people are doing that. I think the boys are sort of peaking at what we're capable of doing as athletes. Um, the girls, I'll let girls come in on the girls. You know, that's, that's none of my business, and I don't know how they sh- use strategy in their competition because I don't have to use the same strategy. I do something totally different. So I'll, I'll look at the results of our team and go, hey, look, well done. You guys got results. That's a big deal. That's what matters. And whether the sport's gone up or down, Lydia can comment on that because she's female. <laughs> um, but I'll stay away from the the controversial topic of commenting on the other sex. Good, 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 good play. That's uh, that's generally, I think, the best thing that uh, any man can do when it comes to that side of things is uh, just not comment and basically say that women are right. And back uh, away very slowly. Yes, yes, yes exactly. Um, no, I'm, <laughs> I think I think all of our girls are great. I know it, and you know, without avoiding the topic, I think everyone out there tries their absolutely hardest. I think they're out there, they're risking injury every single jump they do. It's scary. They put it all on the table and someone walks away with a win and no matter whether it was the hardest skill or the easiest skill or if your your hardest skill doesn't happen to be a good one because you're not up to that standard yet, it's irrelevant. If you're out there competing, we're all proud of all the athletes to be out there putting it down and trying the hardest, and that is really all that matters at the end of the day. And in terms of, I guess, the depth of the men's field um, sort of since Sochi, uh, you know, how how are you finding it? Have, have there kind of been new athletes that have emerged since uh, 2014 that are really kind of pushing it now towards Pyeongchang next year? Is it kind of the same group sort of real pushing for it? I mean, how how are you finding, I guess, your fellow athletes and sort of the, the competitiveness level of the sport? They're making it hard for me, that's for sure. I thought I'd come back and be like, yeah, a couple of people have retired and maybe only like three people did. And It's just not easy. There's, some of the guys have stayed on who are absolutely amazing. And then we've had some younger athletes come up who I've watched over the years. I'm like, oh, I hope I don't have to compete against them because when they get good, they're going to be amazing. And, and now they're good and amazing and it just makes my life difficult. So <laughs> um, the, the standard is the standard is very high. The, comp- the competitive um feel each day is incredible and everyone's pushing everyone to do better and there's probably about half the field who are capable of winning on any given day which makes it exciting and annoying at the same time um but i guess the advantage that i can go in with is experience and that i know that an olympics third time around luckily for me uh, won't affect me the same as it will for some new people. Just like at the World Championships, I didn't have a good lead-up, but when I got there, I was like, this is just another competition. And I saw a lot of people make silly mistakes because they got all hyped up that it was a World Championship and started trying a little bit harder or just like, something got to them and I just went out there and did my normal day of jumping and came over the medal. So I hopefully can take that into Pyeongchang and all these amazing up-and-comers. I'm just going to sort of rely on that on the Olympics getting to them a little and their anxiety going up a little bit and then making silly mistakes and I'll just go and have a fun day and do my thing. Psychological edge, you know, that's what you can hold over them, I guess. That's And that is huge in this sport because this sport is psychological. The actual jumps that we do are not difficult. Like, people watch them and go, oh, that's crazy. But if you break it down to the basics, it's really not hard to do. It's forcing yourself to do it when it's windy, when the conditions aren't right, when the jump's a bit of a funny shape, all these things, you know, when the pressure's on, but... Um, the jumps you're doing not hard. It is, I'd say, ninety percent psychological. Hmm. It's it's crazy to think that. I love how you describe that. Of like, yeah, the jumps really aren't that difficult. Um, I, I I probably couldn't even jump off one of those without you know crapping myself first. But you know, <laughs> and that's that's but that's psychological. It is. Well, that's yes, it is. true. Yes, you, you can physically ski and stand up. I know most people can. You ski and stand up, and that's all we have to do. Coming to the jump, ski straight stand up tall, and do not move. That's not physically hard to do. Then you wave your arms around a little bit and, you know, spin, blah, blah, blah. Uh, not overly too hard to do, but 
can you do that while you're coming into a four-meter-high jump at 70-plus kilometers an hour, and you're going to do three flips? Mm. That's the psychological part. And the, the Standing landing, up and skiing you know, did not happen. Yeah. Yes, forwards or backwards landings or land your head. You know, that, that, that's yep. a little bit <laughs> skill involved there, I guess. But um, the rest of it is very technically easy. It's just forcing yourself to do it when you're terrified. I can I can see why you, you work as a motivational speaker at the same time too, David, because, I mean, again, you just make it sound yeah. so simple. It's like, ah, oh, silver medal at the Olympics? Come on, anyone can win one. What are you talking about? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I go and talk to a bunch of swimmers. I'm like, I know you get competition anxiety, so do I. But luckily for you, you won't die if you make a mistake when you jump into the pool. I mean, you could drown. That would be terrible, terrible, but I don't think you'll explode out of all your limbs <laughs> if you dive in the wrong way but we might if you're not paying attention or you're a bit tired you can probably still do your race we might end up in the hospital and it's you know i just break it down to very basic comical sort of things but are uh, you just talking to people you remind them that look it's you just you're good at what you do you do the technical things right and the rest of it just happens on i side. really i really felt after rio you could have been needed for the campbell sisters just to be like look guys uh look at david Ca- david morris I'll call you david campbell you're not jimmy barnes's <laughs> son uh but it's it's like you know put you in there talk to the campbell sisters and just sort of uh you know we had a bit of a running joke against uh the campbell sisters nothing against them um, but you know pulling a campbell <laughs> we try to kind of put that into the uh the choking terminology of australia that's a bit mean i feel but um you Oh, <laughs> uh, look, yeah, I, we, we make fun of people. That's normal. I'd, people make fun of me. Like, my brother is on me all the time about coming second and how that's, like, not a win. It's the best of all the lose. I'm like, hey, look, you're not wrong. <laughs> but it's comical. I, you know, people need to be able to laugh at themselves. And athletes make mistakes, and we have to live with it. And uh, I, people do forget that they, like, they, you, you know, we make fun of someone, and we're like, trust me, they, they know what they did. People know when they mess up. And they have to live with it for a long time unless they can redeem themselves. So it, it is tricky, but yeah, you can have a lot. There's a level that you don't want to cross, of course. But there uh, is, you know, it's, yeah, of course. Yeah, that's that's kind of that's but the most people can take it. Most people, most people, uh, I guess, kind of. I mean, I'm definitely one who can take well, it. All right, cool. I'll yeah. just make sure I bring out these all insults I was going to plan to talk to you about. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I'm, I, I can take it and dish it equally, so I'm fine with that. Oh, good. We should have kind of one of these, you know, what epic rap battles or something like that. <laughs> you know? yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, that's right. Just insult each other until someone's like, nah, I'm done. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mic drop out. Um, I guess kind exactly. of going into <laughs> Pyeongchang too, I mean, obviously sort of going back to what I said in the very introduction, you know, you're, you're I guess... Yours was the real surprise coming out of, uh, you know, Australia's uh, success in Sochi and kind of it was it's such a feel-good story. And, you know, everybody got to know you. Mm. I mean, I remember talking to you when you're on the brink, sort of just your reactions and just just so, you know, that's, I guess, what was so endearing to yourself. But leading now into Pyeongchang, when I guess going back to when we were saying about Australia will start to take notice of you guys a month before the Games yeah. and people, I guess, will remember you and know you now, is that added pressure that now people kind of know you as an Olympic medalist and not just I guess from the the fans perspective but these competitors these new guys they know you are a medalist from four years ago so how do do you kind of work that into that psychological aspect you were talking about? Yeah some things work in our favour and some things don't so athletes who I compete against know that I can perform at a big event on the day and again, proved it this year with terrible season and peak at the important events. So they know that I can bust it out when I need to, and that's that's a good advantage for me. For people adding pressure into the next Olympics, definitely it's it's going to be different because people know who I am. They've seen me get a result, and of course, Australia as a country will expect a repeat or better, or because they know that we're capable of that kind of thing. Um, I just know. In fact, for me, is that my expectations are way beyond what anyone has of me. Mine are the hardest out there. So no matter what anyone says or anyone's opinion, mine is always going to be harder. And I will celebrate with myself or punish myself more than anyone else could possibly do so. And that's probably the hardest pressure is mine. It doesn't help to have additional pressure, but I also try my best without being um, like a recluse not to talk myself up overly too much i know a lot of people they get in the media like yeah i can come and win here look at me i'm like that that's that's fine but then you go in with expectations and when you don't pull it off people turn on you very quickly and i think that's that's a little sad uh so i i would prefer not to do that so i'll come in very quietly and 
I always answer the question, though, what are your expectations? And what I can tell people for sure is that I will go out there and try my absolute best. I will do the hardest skills that I need to do in the moment to get through each round, and I will do whatever it takes to progress through the finals and get as far as I can. That's, I can promise that. The rest of it is out of my hands. It's a judge sport. All I can do is get a score, and I have no control over scores given to other competitors, what order we run in, who lands, who doesn't land, any of that. So I just go out and do my job, and that's it. So expectations can be that you're going to see me go out there and give it my very best, and the rest is up to winter sports because anything can happen. And I guess that's kind of the thing with Australia too, with with uh, expectations, which I really found after Sochi was that we went in with, I guess, all these, you know, outstanding medal hopes. And, you know, sadly, some of them didn't obviously come away with the medals. And it, it almost felt like the the overall perspective was, oh, we didn't win a gold. We only won three medals. We're disappointed. Yeah, we didn't do as well as we expected, which is a real shame. It is, isn't it? Because kind of I going mean, back to the, the 90s in kind of, you know, Australia and the Winter Olympics, you know, remember the days when Zali Stegel wins a bronze and it's like the greatest thing ever. And now we've kind of fast forward 14 or 16 years later. And it's almost like, I mean, it's, it's good in one aspect to, to think that we're at a level now in winter sports where we go in with expectations of winning multiple golds but yeah. on the flip side of that i i kind of think it's sad because i mean this is the olympics this is the pinnacle of sport it's kind of you know at the end of the day if you can walk away with three medals i think that is fantastic and particularly at the winter olympics you know a, a nation like australia to win sort of three medals and come away with it I, I i think it's kind of it's a good and a bad thing i feel that we have that level of disappointment after 2014 yeah, well, just turning up for the Olympics is an achievement, mm-hmm. and a lot of people underestimate the amount of work you have to put in to just turn up. And walking away with medals is amazing, and yet we didn't win a gold. You know, I got a medal that people didn't expect. That was a win. Lydia didn't win a gold. She got a third, but that was her second Olympic medal. And she performed a skill that no woman had ever performed on snow before and walked away with a third place. Tora got a sec- second Olympic medal. And there are a couple of people that we were expecting the podium that didn't, and that's winter sports. You have a bad day, you get knocked out of a race, and that's it. But what people also didn't realize is there were a lot of athletes who didn't get in the podium position but did their personal best at those games. They got the best result they've ever got in their whole career, but because it wasn't a medal, they didn't get talked about very much. Mm-hmm. And I got up on a stage a couple of times and... You know, we, uh, Lydia and I got all these awards, which is wonderful, of course, but I always notice that all these other athletes standing beside me who came up like, here's all the athletes from Victoria, or you know, here's the athletes who made the top 20s, blah, 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 but they'd always interview me and Lydia because we were the medal, medal winners. And one um, speech that I gave, I grabbed the microphone, and I was like, look, I'm just going to actually talk about everyone else on the stage here. And, you know, this person here went to their first Olympics, they got a personal best. This person here is at the second Olympics and they've just come, you know, they came back from an injury and still got up to stand. And I just talked about everyone else on the stage because they don't get recognized for their amazing achievements, just turning up, being an Olympian, getting a personal best and pulling it off on the day because their families know all about their struggles, but no one else got to hear about it because they didn't get a medal. And I think that's something that the summer Olympics has that the winter don't. You hear about a lot of the athletes where they do well or not, but the winter ones are all about the winners. And that's it. Yeah, it's it's a great way of doing that, actually. Because look, I mean, sort of all jokes aside about my you know failed Olympic ambitions, David. But like, I I would oh, know yeah. from a personal. Hey, don't look, don't give up, don't give no, up. I'm yet. not. Yeah, as long I'm, as you're I'm in, thirty. I'm still young, you right? Come on. Um, yeah, but yeah. It's oh, trust, if I was still thirty, I'd be pretty pumped. Well, there you go. Exactly. Um, but I, I mean, I, the thing I find that is like, if look, if I ever had or ever will make the Olympics, let's be positive. Um, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't yeah. care. I mean, I'm sure I say this now, and on the day I probably would care. But look, look if I crashed out and just failed, I, still there's going to be a part of me. It's like, look, I made the Olympics and kind of, you know, just that dream of Absolutely. getting to walk out in that opening ceremony and just represent your nation and just like everything that comes around with it. You know, I, I just... I think, that to me, that would just be the, the most proudest achievement I could imagine. And, you know, obviously, you've got the added bonus of coming away with a medal, but I'm sure kind of looking back on your career, David, if you had never won that medal and you had never won the gold you will win in Pyeongchang in about uh, 10 months' time, you still could look back and say, well, I'm a triple Olympian. I mean, that's kind of, you know, obviously something you can tell the grandkids about. It is a big about. deal. Yeah, and I experienced something very much on that topic. So my first Olympics in uh, Vancouver 2010... All I wanted to do was turn up. I wanted to go to the Olympics, be an Olympian, represent Australia at the pinnacle of sporting events. 
And that was always my dream. The result didn't matter. But in saying that, walking out of it with a 13th place, which was very good for me at the time, but just one spot short of the finals, I would tell people, yeah, I've been to the Olympics. And their first question was, how did you go? And they didn't understand that the Olympics was the peak of my sporting achievements. But all they wanted to know was, how did we go? And to say, oh, I just missed the finals. People like, oh, that's too bad. I'm like, but you don't understand how important it was to be there. And then what I realized the second round was, it's not about just turning up. And for some people, look, turning up is absolutely great and you should be proud to call yourself an Olympian. You can't take that away, absolutely not. But turning up and doing your best is more important than turning up. So some people, and as it was me at the start, I just wanted the uniform and to be like, yeah, I'm an Olympian. But if you don't turn up and perform your best, people walk away disappointed. So whether your best was 20th and that's your personal best, people will walk away very satisfied with their Olympic career. If they turn up and 20th is their best, that's fine. And I think they need to be recognized for that as well, not just, oh, you didn't make the finals or you didn't get a medal because turning up and performing on the day is what it's all about. And that's the thing that kind of, I guess, kind of my admiration for yourself, like your reactions of winning that silver medal, just, you know, acting like you'd won the gold. And, and I sort of remember in Rio last year when Anamiz got that bronze. And I think the interviewer at the time was kind of like, look, you must be disappointed. Obviously, you didn't win the gold. And she was like in tears. She was so happy. And like, I just, I Are respect that. like, Are you serious? That. I have a medal? Yeah, exactly. And yeah, it's-, it's a funny, funny thing that people, um, and I've been asked, oh, you were so close. You just missed out. I'm like, at no point did I miss out. I never had a gold medal in my hands. I was, at the start of the day, I was in last place because I hadn't competed yet. Everyone was in last place, and I just kept getting higher and higher up the ranks. And I was in 12th, and I was in 8th, and I was in 4th, and 3rd, and 2nd. So I earned a second, I earned a silver, and someone performed better than me and earned a gold, but at no point did I lose a gold medal. So how can I possibly be disappointed with what I achieved that day because I earned a silver and if it's a silver, bronze, a fourth, a fifth, you still earn that position. It's not like you're, everyone's in first and they lose position. That's how some people look at it, and that's very wrong. Yeah, yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And it's 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 fascinating, I guess. And it's, I guess it's not just an Australian mindset, you know, it's a, I guess it's just a, a people mindset really, isn't it? I mean, some countries, I guess, deal with it a little bit differently. But um, I guess kind of we, as a, as a nation, I mean, even looking at Rio, you know, it kind of came out of that, like, oh, we're disappointed, you know, we didn't perform up to expectations. You still walk away with seven gold medals, people. I mean, go back to... To 1992 when you're only you know winning seven and that's celebrated it's kind of as i kept saying like we peaked i feel in the early 2000s with sydney and athens and even beijing it's kind of that was really when all the you know real training and money's going in there because we've just hosted the olympics of course it's going to trickle down and we're going to be overtaken and it's kind of the opposite with the winter olympics i feel like we are performing so damn well that three medals no matter what color if you walk away with three bronze medals we should be holding that as high as walking away with 10 you know gold at the summer games just based on how we are compared to you know canada and norway and all these other countries Exactly. Because you, you look at the countries that are winter sport countries. Mm-hmm. And I'll just talk winter sport for a second. Like, so, yeah, we beat the Canadians. So, in aerials, I beat Canadians, I beat the Americans, I beat uh, some of the Belarusian, Russian guys who, that's their country's major sport. And that's an achievement. I'm saying we constantly beat countries who should be better than us because they have access to facilities. And they were brought up in the snow. And we just turn up and like, oh, yeah, we'll give this a go. <laughs> Straight so away. We're always proud of our achievements, yeah. And sometimes, like for swimming, for example, it's like, oh, this person came seventh. Well, that's not that great. You're like, but how, how much did they miss out by? It could have been point zero two of a second. And that might be seventh. And the result seems terrible. But if you look at the standard of competition, they might have missed out by the most minuscule amount but the number they were given at the end doesn't represent that. Exactly, exactly. So uh, we'll see how that goes next year in terms of, you know, just how it's received and everything. But uh, I really hope... Like, it will be interesting. Of course, I obviously hope we, we, you know, win 30 gold medals and, you know, just dominate the shit and come away with our number one. But, uh, you know, even if we walk away with the bronze, you know, I'm still 11-year-old Ben watching Zali Stegel in Nagano, remembering how amazing it was that we got a bronze medal. So I'm still 
that mindset. So uh, we'll see how it goes. One thing though, actually, it's kind of it's interesting. Before when you mentioned about uh, you know Lydia and Alyssa, obviously have both walked away with with two medals from Aerials. It's got, you've got a bit of I guess um, statistics on your side when it comes to going back for another medal next year, David. Because yeah, not- I'll have to, I'll have to get one because they won two in a row. So I better I better do that. And, and also if I win the gold. Well, exactly, so gold. It goes with that. But also, I will say that yeah. every single Australian to have ever won a silver medal at the Winter Olympics is always a dual medalist. You look at Dale Begg Smith, he's obviously won a gold to go yep. with his silver, and Tora Bright won a gold to go with her silver. Mm. So what colour are you going to win next year, David? <laughs> oh, look, um, I'd be happy with any. Like, if I've got another silver, that's fine, because obviously uh, gold doesn't go with all my clothing. It's <laughs> not really my, my thing. But um, I can I can make some adjustments if that's what happens. Yes, yes. I would, yeah. Look, realistic expectations... If I can put them, is I, I do expect to make the top six, and after that, it will absolutely depend on what skills people throw down and if they're capable of landing them. So, last time, I can say I got a little lucky because the guys didn't land the really hard skills, and statistically, that was kind of going to happen. But people are getting better and better at it, so I am working on the hard skills, five twists, a couple versions of it, so that if I need to bust it out, I can do it, and if I land it, it's basically guaranteed a medal rather than hoping for the best. Uh, but, yeah, look, if, if I can put something like that down, I would expect to get on the podium, and that's that's what we're here to train for. We're not here just to turn up. I am training to win. I wouldn't have come back. I had a year off, you know, after after uh, 2014, and I didn't come back just to turn up and have a go. I, I want to come and equal or do better, and I will be disappointed if I don't, but at the same time, three Olympics is a big deal and something I could be proud of for the rest of my life. And one thing I will say about the sport of aerials, it's kind of one of those unique sports where almost you're sort of allowed to cheer when somebody fails. Um. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's, one of the, it's one of those things where you're like, yeah, just hold my composure for a minute and then I can cheer. Yes, deep we, down. we cheer if no one gets hurt. Like, if they hand drag on the ground and lose enough points, like, oh yeah, if someone crashes, we go a little bit more quiet because we, we are all friends and a lot of sports claim that, but um, my friends are up there training and I do not like to watch anyone get hurt. No one does. And when they do well, I am legitimately happy for them and they're happy for me when I do well. And when people step up on the podium after having a bad season like I did and I got up on the world's podium, I got a big cheer from all the guys because they knew that it had sucked the whole year and I just pulled it off on the day. So. Uh, yeah, we, we we cheer sometimes or just give a little grin, like, yeah, that's my medal secured, thank you very much. <laughs> but um, we we always feel bad for them because we have seen them work the whole year and to miss out with a silly mistake or a crash is, is not fun for anyone. Is there trash talking and sledging in aerials? Do you kind of have things that you can say to each other on the way to the slopes? Oh, definitely. There's, there's, there's friendly banter, which is all the time, and we train and compete together, so we get it pretty pretty much every single day there's a couple things that you you don't say which are you know you're trying to freak people out or make them make a mistake in the air which is not very cool but you can tell people that oh you know my jump's going to be better than yours don't even bother going out there that's for the staff just to give them a little something to think about but um we keep it pretty light because it is intense up there and it is very it is dangerous and serious so we Keep it to a professional level, ninety percent of the time. Ninety percent of the time. It a little, occasionally, it gets a little out of hand, and then <laughs> some coaches have to step in and be like, "Settle down, everyone!" Like, yeah, the hidden underworld of the fist fights of aerial skiing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's funny. You know, people are pushing in the line trying to get an extra jump. It's like, God, just get in the light. We have it. We have a set line. We know who's next. Don't mess it up. It's it's always funny, but um, no, it it. It's fun, and I, I love that. I love that up there. People just having a great time, and even on, even on competition days. I think the Olympics will be a little bit different because it is a huge one. But like at the World Champs, we're up the top, just having a great time, making jokes, and telling people, "Oh, you were lucky to get through that round." Like, "Oh my gosh, yeah, I was." And it's that's why I do it. It's not a job every day. Sometimes it's just a fun time with your friends. Fantastic! It's what we like to hear. It's it's kind of uh, always makes it a little bit more worthwhile at the end of the day too. Even if you've sort of had a slightly disappointing day, you can still celebrate with your mates at the end of it with their success. Yep. If you can walk away smiling and you rim on peace, you know how bad was it really? Yeah. Get another go at it another day, and yeah, you you walk away and you go, "Yep, nothing broke." everything's good, a little bit sore, getting the ice bath, and then I'll try again next week. So 
life's not so bad. Exactly. Good way of looking at it. Now, we've got some of these uh, fun questions we're going to get to in just a moment, sort of based on our Canadian counterparts. But just quickly, just sort of touching outside of sort of all uh, aerial skiing and everything, just uh, I'm noticing here on your website, you've, you've released a book here, David, you're motivational speaking. Uh, I mean, it seems like you're, and you're very active on social media. I feel, tag your, tag your book, tag your social media here. This is, you're allowed to advertise yourself a bit here, David. Do what you can't do until a month before the Olympics on Channel 7. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So I've, I've written an autobiography. It's written by me. So when you read it, you know, there'll be a couple spelling mistakes because I'm not perfect, but you can tell that when you're reading through it, it's me talking. It hasn't been changed by anyone. It's just my narrative. And it's, it started off as a, a diary. Basically, when I started the sport, I had a couple really bad days when I first started and I thought, oh, you know, this is not for me. And my coach said, hey, look, write, write it down and then read it next week. And so I wrote, yeah, this sport sucks. I really hate it. And then I read it next week and I realized, wow, I really overreacted. It was just one or two bad days. And I just added to it and added to it as a sort of therapeutic diary. And then over the years, more and more stuff started happening. I thought, you know what? I'm going to keep this going because if I pull this off somehow, all these hurdles and all these problems that I've gone through are going to be so epic. It's going to be such an epic win at the end if I can pull it off. So I finished it after Sochi and it's it's got a lot of pictures in it because I, I love my photography so I sort of describe a lot of the places and things through pictures and I've got videos on my website related to the book so if you go to uh, aerialskier.com that's A-E-R-I-A-L skier.com uh, you can check out the autobiography section I'm going to drop the price down before the Olympics I think I'm just going to sort of basically give them away for like $5 plus the postage because I've got plenty of them well, I was going I'll buy one David but maybe I'll just wait a couple of weeks then <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> No, I'll probably change the next couple of days. But yeah, I really want to share this story and hopefully inspire some people or people can learn from the book in some way about, oh, you know, he's had to get over these problems or he's had to learn from this experience because it's not about making money. It's about helping next generations of people or, you know, young kids who don't think they're capable of it. I'm like, yeah, I was a young kid once who didn't think they were any good at it. So I want to share that. So yeah, book, it was fun. It was fun for me to write it out and get it all out of my system be like oh i've written it all down now i can let that let that all go and move forwards from that but um yeah social media i love i love sharing photos and making stupid videos and i pretty much own the uh at aerial skier tag across the board um it's good that you got, you got like on top of that, that like, i'm sure other people would have been fighting you for that one there for a while i know i'm not sure how i made i think my brother and dad were on it like oh we've got you aerial skier i'm like well i don't even know what this at thing is and these hashtags and they're all over it and so now I'm like oh you guys did well because I've just owned that one um, but yeah I, I love it I like sharing what's going on and some people are interested some aren't that's fine but for those who are interested I'll keep adding content yeah it's great we'll definitely tag it all up on our uh, on our pages when we post this up with it because yeah I mean thank you it's uh, followed you obviously since the Sochi Olympics and it's, it's always entertaining seeing it and the photography I will say like it's it's fantastic seeing sort of the pictures that go along with your post because they, they really do uh, I mean it's, it's a sport that I think is great for photography because obviously seeing you know you guys in the air upside down with your arms pointed every which way it's it looks fantastic yeah upside down 15 meters in the air you can't really take a bad photo exactly exactly so uh it will definitely tag all that up there but these questions now again as i sort of say with these all right here we go born from canada so if these are terrible please blame our canadian friends um and so i love putting blame on people it's my favorite thing good good (laughs) and um basically they were asked to fill these in just before they went off to rio so we're going to take this on that mantra so it starts off by saying hello my name is and clearly you are david morris we know that um but it says here and i'm canadian and but you're not so we can change that well, i'm australia y- yep. you are now uh, we can't really get you to draw a picture of yourself right now but uh, how would you draw a picture of yourself anyway uh, a little stick uh, i'll put a little stick figure upside down with skis hanging off Good and point. some spirals around it and maybe a really terrified face <laughs> i almost feel like you need to draw that and send it to us just so we can put that up to swap. I, might, I might have to do that yeah that could be the next one on instagram here's how i feel yes. every day. <laughs> uh your what is your favorite ever olympic moment now this could be i guess your one of your own or one that you've witnessed i guess in your lifetime uh i'll be this will be a little bit biased and it was um lydia's jump in sochi mm-hmm. and she did a jump that only the men do and she basically bridged the gap between men and women in the sport of aerials so a lot of 
other people probably wouldn't have really understood the significance, but I saw her build up to that skill from the start and slowly progress over the year towards it and in the games and watch her get through all the final rounds and sneak in. And I was like, oh, I don't know, she's going to get into the final round and have a shot at it. But she did, and she was there to compete that jump no matter what. And it was unbelievably inspiring. And I can say that it was crazy impressive because I do that skill and it's, it's scary. And she had done maybe two ever on snow and it might've been the day or the day before. So it would have been terrifying and absolutely new ground for women in the sport. And she went and did it and Every time I watch it, I get goosebumps, and I'm so proud of her for just going out there and doing what she'd set herself to do. That was her task, and she got it done, and it was the absolute best moment I've ever witnessed. Fantastic, and we, we, we love Lydia. We, As I said, we had her on the show recently, and, um, yeah, fifth Olympics next year. Wow, do you think you can make it to five, David? Uh, you've only got two more to go after, another eight years on top of uh, Pyeongchang. I mean, that's not oh, long. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, look, I've retired like four times now, so <laughs> every time I go, oh, you're going, I'm like, nah, I'm done, and then I return, so I cannot be trusted with my statement, so don't listen to anything that I say. I will see what happens, and I'll probably retire, and then be home and be like, nah, I'm bored, I'm going back, but I, I have no idea. I haven't, I haven't thought past the day because I'm putting all my energy into that evening, and then once I've done that, the future is is waiting for me, and we'll see what happens then. You are the John Farnham of aerial skiing, it seems. <laughs> Just <laughs> I try my best. Yeah, you're the voice, Come David. Back. You're the voice, except yep. you're the uh, aerial skier at yep. this point. Um, if you could choose <laughs> any Olympic host city, what would it be? Ooh, that is a good question. Host city. I I would love to have it somewhere in Europe because the culture and everything there is. Incredible, and the fact that they really are big fans of winter sports. I think the crowds would be huge, and the atmosphere would be absolutely amazing. Oh, city! I don't know. I'm a big fan of Switzerland, actually. Okay. So any, anywhere in Switzerland, somewhere in Switzerland, would be pretty good. Or, or like Oslo or something where they've had it before. Yep. Stockholm. Yep, that work. It's Sweden, Norway, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. We've been to so many cool places look if they could have it at, you know in melbourne mount bull off, that'd be great but <laughs> we'd be jumping into um into dirt but the home crowd would be awesome oh could you imagine this like i mean what was the roin hg one they did was it smiggins holes back in salt lake um you know sadly didn't quite take <laughs> off um but uh look hey look beijing's having the winter olympics and kind of the, the, how far away is the snow it's something ridiculous isn't it so i guess you know it's kind of oh yeah, yeah. It's, it could be when a we, possibility when, when we train in um yeah, when we train in Beijing, they build a jump out of scaffolding inside the Bird's Nest Stadium. It's wow. Epic. Wow. So stuff can be done. And, or maybe we should just have it in Auckland so that Aussies can just make a quick trip across. True. It's well, not a big deal. Well, you gave me the idea there with the Bird's Nest. Have the aerials, uh, you know, going off in the MCG, 100,000 people. I mean, that would be the best aerial skiing event ever. <laughs> It absolutely would be, and they, they have tents to make the snow in, so we've jumped in Beijing in positive temperatures. Wow. And we've had snow to jump on, so it can be done. So if they want to sit, maybe in, like, Etihad, because they can close the roof and maybe freeze True. it inside a little bit. Yeah. Temperature down. All right, Melbourne. Melbourne it is. Yep, done. My, okay. <laughs> there we go. Melbourne 2028. I don't care about the other winter sports. We just have aerials only. <laughs> yes. Clearly downhill is not going to work anywhere, but I don't care about them anyway. <laughs> well, this is where you, you have the downhill in Tasmania. We've got Mount Wellington. We've got a big slope. You can just kind of, oh, you know, <laughs> kind of bend it down a little bit. It's a bit steep, but, um, you know. It's a shorter course, everyone, but we really want you to battle it out. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, just the Australia-wide Winter Olympics. We can make it work. Um, <laughs> the first Olympics you remember watching was... Atlanta. Atlanta, okay. So whoever's this... Uh, would have been, what's that, 96? 96 it was, yeah. 21 years ago, wow. Yeah. There you go. The Atlanta Olympics is, can now drink in America. My life. That's, the ones, yeah. <laughs> that's the ones I remember watching certain things from. And I, just, I remember one of the young Canadian divers who, I think he was like 14 or something, and he, I think he won a medal, but he's now, I think he's still going, but he was smashing it at the time as this tiny little kid, and everyone was like, oh my gosh, he just... Made it through to the next round. It was unbelievable. So, yeah, that was the first time I remember really watching and remembering things from it. Beautiful. Uh, now, here's a sort of a non-Olympic-based one. If you could be any superhero, who would it be? That is it. That's another good question. 
Um, I mean, obviously Superman is a good, is a good uh, answer. I've just you know watching all the Marvel comics like Thor would be pretty good. I wouldn't mind biceps like that. <laughs> um, anyone who has time travel kind of abilities is pretty cool. Has any any superhero's got time traveling abilities? Because I reckon that's going to be oh, the coolest thing ever. Look, there, uh, like the Flash or one of those guys. Yeah, sort of hop between things. That could maybe. work. You know, yeah, that could work. We just combine yeah, all I'll, of them. I'll go, I'll go with the Flash. The Flash. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Done. Yeah, Simple. Flash will do. Thank you, Flash. Uh, what is your favourite flavour of ice cream? Um, peppermint chop chip. Peppermint chop. Yum. Good choice. Yes. Don't even need. To, don't even need to think about you, that. That's, you that's were straight into that answer. Favorite. That was coming out of your mouth before I even finished yeah. the question. Well done. Um, yeah, as soon as I hear the word ice cream, I eat peppermint chop. Yep. I've got some in the freezer. Though. Yep. <laughs> I mean, no, I don't. I'm on a very good athlete diet. Ignore that. <laughs> I didn't hear that. I didn't hear that. Uh, what do you do in your spare time? Photography. And I make videos and little video edits, and usually I'm bouncing on a trampoline or doing something active. Awesome. That's what I do, too. Um, <laughs> not sitting yeah. on my computer all day and podcast. <laughs> I haven't seen you around. Yeah, I'm bouncing on a trampoline right now. Can't you hear it? Um, what is the weirdest instruction a coach has ever given you? Stop trying. Stop trying. Wow, okay. Yep. So um, our sport is one where if you're too hyped up, it's no good. And if you're too relaxed, it's no good. There's a lovely bell curve of um, effort. And sometimes I go into competitions so hyped up on and so concerned about the mechanics of it that I, I stuff it up. And one of my coaches just said, just stop trying and go and do what you can do. I was like, okay. And just went and did my thing. So the less that I try, the more consistent that I am because our training pays off. There you go. I, uh, that's that's very interesting to hear that. Now this, I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell that to many of my athletes. No, <laughs> unless they were similar to me. Like you're like, I need you to try harder. But sometimes like, stop trying so hard. Just go. Yeah, I can imagine that as motivational speaker. That doesn't really work too much. Like guys, just don't try. Just no, don't. it doesn't. It's very event specific or moment specific. But uh, yes. occasionally, it's just like I need you to switch your brain off right now. Yep. and just turn and go. Yep. Yep. Good point, good point. Now, uh, just a couple more of these. So, um, just to pick and choose. If you could have any lunch, if you could have lunch with any one person, who would it be? Does it have to be a real person? Oh, I, I'm going to say no. You can say whoever you want to be here. Because I know a lot of people scoff at this answer because it's my favourite person in um, on TV, Doctor Who. Doctor Who. You can have lunch anywhere. Look, that works. At any time. Yeah. Exactly, you could do it right but now. If we talk, if we talk <laughs> yeah, I, mean, like, I could have already had lunch a couple of times today in different places. Uh, no, if we're talking real people, oh, who would I want to have lunch with? I reckon if I could have lunch with the Jamaican bobsled team, yes, just to have little white me sitting at a table <laughs> of these huge guys would be the funniest looking contrast thing ever. <laughs> and they're looking at my plate like, are you going to finish that? I'm like, yes, yes, I am. I can, I can continue to play. <laughs> wow. There you go. I think next year uh, you're going to kind of sneak out from your aerials, go to the bobsled track there in Pyeongchang. I might need and... a photo with them. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Do it. Do it. Um, I want to ask this one because I kind of, I just read a little bit on you here, which I didn't realize until right now. And I kind of feel I have to ask you this question because I'm going to like your answer. Yep. Uh, as a kid, who was your favorite sports team? Sports team? Hmm. Oh, that, that's hard, actually, because I didn't really follow many sports as strongly as some people do, like, I go for Carlton. Good boy, that's what I wanted to hear. It's not embarrassing. It's embarrassing, embarrassing, but we're proud fans of it, David. Come on, stand by the blues. (laughs) Quiet, quiet fans, Uh, yeah. Uh, Yeah, Carlton, I'd watch, like, Melbourne Magic play, and, um, yeah, I don't know. I think I'd... I would have, because I, I was a gymnast back then, so I just watched the gymnastics team. Mm. Well, the you, that's a team. And so they would have probably been one of my favorite team. ones. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it would have had a team, but yeah, I don't know. I've never been a specific sport fan. I never stuck to one. I like to take things from all sports, and I've never been like, oh, like, I'm not a true football supporter, because I watch the game and be like, just play a good game, and I'll 
I'll support any team that plays well. <laughs> I just, I, so, just, yeah, I had to get you to say Carlton. I don't think I've interviewed a Carlton's player Carl, yet yeah, on the right. show. So Carlton, and, unless they're doing really badly, and then I'll watch <laughs> any other team be like, "Oh, you deserve to win." Well done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the Carlton way, you know. We, I think we're renowned yeah. for leaving <laughs> games early, so it's kind of like, That's "Oh, we're right. losing a three quarter time. What's on TV at home? Better leave." Uh, so. Oh, the game started. We should probably leave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Trust me, trust me. The other day when we beat Sydney, uh, my dad and I kind of go, oh, we might actually win this game. Like, what's going on? <laughs> this, is, this is worth celebrating. I know. It's like, wow, we'll take it when it comes. Uh, look, David, this is it's, it's such a pleasure to chat with you. We're going to obviously keep an eye on how things go in the lead up to Pyeongchang. And uh, I for sure don't doubt that you are going to come home with a gold medal. I'm just saying it right now. No pressure at all. We're calling it on this no, day. No, nothing at all, yeah. On the, on the day when that gold medal goes around your neck, I want you to think back to this moment and think, oh, God, that podcast host, Ben, is a good guy. He made me win this gold medal. He called it, didn't he? Yeah, he, he did. called it. Yep. I had doubts, but luckily I listened to you. <laughs> yes, exactly. And, of course, people can visit aerialskier.com. As I said, we'll link everything on there for your book and for your social media and everything else. But best of luck, mate. Fingers and toes crossed and uh, bring home the gold. Oh, I'll try my best. You can believe that. Thank you very much for having me. Such a fun time, and we are very much looking forward to seeing him compete next year. I've uh, definitely turned around and said he's going to win the gold now, so either I'll look like a genius or I've jinxed him big time. Hopefully it's the uh, the former there and not the latter. So uh, all fingers and toes crossed going for David next year into the Olympic Games. We've got more athlete interviews coming your way. Just stay tuned to us. Off the podium on Facebook is the best way to stay in touch. Of course, you can subscribe on iTunes, on Stitcher. Follow us on both of those, and you can leave us feedback. Remember to rate us on there. We always do appreciate your feedback as well. Colin also lining up some great interviews as well. So we've got plenty still to come as we get closer and closer to the 2018 Winter Olympic Games. In the meantime, thank you for your company. Thanks to David once again, and thanks for tuning in to Off the Podium. We will speak to you next time wherever you are hearing my voice. Whoop, 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 whoop.